the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the one God, Amen. It's always a blessing to be here at the Church of St. Mary on the fast and during the Nahda. Uh, when we talk about St. Mary's revival, this really makes me feel like there's a revival in the church. And we have been and um, since she is our mother, we continually ask for her intercessions before the throne of God. Abuna told me that uh, today, or this, this uh, Nahda, your theme is about the family. So by the grace of God, today I'd like to talk to you about how to lead your family like Christ. How we could lead our families with a goal, with a mission, with a purpose, like Christ. If I was to ask you, Where is your family headed? If we picked a day, Kida, if Abuna called each one of the families in the church, and after he said, hello, how are you? He said to you, where are you headed? Where are you going? Some of you may say, Abuna, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just sitting at home. Some may say, I'm in the car. I'm headed back home from work. But where is your family headed? We live in a world today that struggles. We have technology, we have the world at our fingertips, and yet our relationships still struggle. Our families are dying. Our relationships between the husband and the wife and the parents and the children is deteriorating. More than ever, our churches at home, our small churches at home, need solid Christian values. And we need to be the ones responsible for giving our home and our children those Christian values. The number of the statistics are telling us, this isn't the church, by the way, this is the statistics when they do the census every few years, they tell us how many families are married and how many families are divorced. There came a time where the number of families in the United States, there were more families divorced than there were families together. And over 50% of families or the population in the United States, over 50% were divorced and less than 50% were still together. Keeping in mind that maybe the, some, some of the people who, who filled out the census may not be necessarily divorced in the full sense of divorce, they haven't gone to court and such. They're separated in the house. So maybe those numbers are not counted. Ask yourself, and I have to ask myself, how do our children get their values? Did they get them from the Bible? Did they get them from the scripture? Or did they get them from you? Or did they get them from their friends? We have a lot of at my time, when I was growing up, we really barely had any TV channels. There are millions of channels everywhere. But among those channels, we have all these reality TV shows. We have all these shows today that are trying to form and shape the society. We have things that are coming up. I don't want to mention some of these because it opens our eyes to some crazy things. It opens our minds to some crazy ideas. 
لكن في حاجات موجودة outside there that would boggle your mind. One of the shows that's available today is called Modern Family. I hope no one watches that show. I hope no one watches that show. And in this show, it shows two men, a family made up of two men and children. If you watch that show, you need to stop. If you have children in the house that watch that show, you need to check yourself. Because the morals, the Christian values begin at the home. They begin with you and I. We have a responsibility before the Lord. If your children's morals, their values are being shaped by, if you don't do it, they're going to be shaped by the people around them, whether they be their friends. And now we see what the society is looking like, what the laws are permitting. If you don't give the children the values, someone else will. Someone is waiting at the door, anxious to teach your children values, anxious to teach your children some morals. And they're not going to be what the scripture tells us. They're not going to be what the gospel tells us. They're not going to be what Christ would be pleased with. When you think about your families and how you were raised, those of you who came from Egypt and our first or second generation here, and you remember how your parents in Egypt or the first church to come to America, how you were raised, what is the thing that stands out most in your mind about your parents' relationship with one another? What stands out the most about the relationship of your parents and you and your siblings? Is it something that you would like to copy and mimic in your family? Is it something that you want to change and say, maybe my parents did this. We have a lot of youth who come today and say, Aslabuna, my parents are old school Egyptians. It, what does that mean, old school Egyptians? Mutamassikin awi, ma'affilin awi. Maybe your kids say these things to you now and say, Aslinta, you grew up in Egypt. These things don't apply here, Dad. These things don't apply here, Mom. Is it something that you would want to change? Is it something that you would want to be able to deliver to your children? Sometimes we may be bitter because of something that happened when we were young. And we think, well, we turned out okay. Our kids will turn out okay. I don't have to talk to them about this because my, my parents didn't talk to me about that. I don't have to mention to them that they have to prioritize church. My parents never told me about that. Maybe your parents never said prioritize church. But every time there was a liturgy, where were they? Maybe your parents never told you specifically or in actual words, this is how you ought to behave, but they showed you by example. Unfortunately today, we don't show our kids by example. We have families who come their first priority is to make money. Their first priority is to build a home. Their first priority is to grow the home. Their first priority is to get a good job. Unfortunately, their first priority doesn't become to raise my children in the church. In Egypt, it's so great because everything around revolves around the liturgy. Everything revolves around the services in the church. I don't know what happens when we take this flight from Cairo to JFK. Something falls in the river. Something falls in the ocean. We lose some foundations, we lose some principles. And here we come and we take on the principles of the Western world. When you come, understand that the society that your children are growing up in today is so much different 
it requires a different way to deal with it than you and I ever learned when we were growing up. Our culture is trying to redefine what marriage is. It's redefining what family looks like. And as all these misconceptions that are, that are happening in society that are painting this picture for our children. These misconceptions sound like this. We're told that it's okay for a child to be raised by two women. I'm sorry if what I'm going to say is controversial. That's the reality. That's not what God teaches. And if you're offended by that, you shouldn't be upset at me. You shouldn't be insulted by what I say. You should go and read the scriptures. He who made them at the beginning made them male and female. Society is trying to tell us that it's okay to raise a family with two men or two women. Fathers are not needed in the home, is saying. A mother can do everything. A mother should be everything. Society is trying to tell us that children are not negatively impacted when the mother works outside the home. Sometimes the mother works outside because she wants to, and sometimes she works outside the house because she has to. What is your circumstance? Are you prioritizing your children over the career? I have nothing against a woman working. Absolutely nothing works against a, a woman working or a mother working. But where are your children and who's taking care of them while you're working? What foundations? What things are they learning from the people that are surrounding them? Sometimes we worry about things that are important and we don't worry about other things. Maybe those of you who have young children, you've seen these videos that they post where they have a hidden camera watching a child who's being babysat by someone and we care so much about the physical well-being of the child. may hurt the child in some way, God forbid. And we have all these different monitors and sensors and cameras everywhere. What cameras do we have? What litmus test are we using in order to make sure that the fundamental things that our children are growing up with, the values, the beliefs, the faith system that they have inside them is built on a solid rock? Sometimes people take on a job. Sometimes people take on two jobs. Sometimes even families take on three jobs. I always tell this story that I, I heard when I was young about a young child who, when, when his father came home from work, he jumped up and he said, Dad, 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 I want to ask you something. He said, how much money do you make? He said, what do you mean how much? He said, how much do you make an hour? He just shunned him away. A little while later, they're sitting at dinner and the child gets excited again. He said, Dad, 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 how much money do you make an hour? The dad started to get aggravated and he said, be quiet, kid, don't ask those kinds of questions. After dinner, the child asked again. The dad was a bit rough, so he got upset and he went to bed. His, his dad kind of felt guilty. And then at the end of the night, he went to tuck him in and said, son, you were asking how much money I make. I make $20 an hour. Why are you asking? He said, can I borrow 10 bucks? He said, what for? He said, I saved $10. If you give me $10, I'll have 20. I'd like to purchase an hour of your time. Your children are looking for time with you. They're not looking for a home that has all these extravagant things. 
We want to give a child a TV in the room. We want the PS5 or if the PS6 is out now, I don't know. We want to give them these beautiful cars. We want to give them all these valuable things. Where is your time that you spend to teach your child, to teach your son or to teach your daughter? This is what Christ is expecting of you and this is what Christ is expecting of me. When I sit with my children and I teach them, I call them teaching moments. My son has memorized, Dad, not another teaching moment, Dad. Please, not another teaching moment. I said, God obligated me to teach every opportunity that I got. When we baptize a child in the church, we give the commandment to the parents and say, teach your children how to, and you can go and back and look at the commandment. Those of you who have Coptic Reader, you can see all of the different things that we expect or the church expects or God expects that you are teaching your children. Teach them how to fast Wednesdays and Fridays. Teach them how to read the scriptures which are the breath of God. This is the very, the word of the scripture is the breath of God. Do you read it and are you teaching your children to read it? Give them quality time. More than anything else, they need time from you. It's not buying them things. It's giving them your time. Watching TV together is not time spent. Going to the movies together is not time spent together. You need face-to-face -face time. You need to be discussing things. You need to ask them what they learn in school and how that affects them and how they feel about it. One of the most scaring things that we are hearing today is our youth are becoming desensitized to this LGBT concept. Why are we so tough on them? We're not tough on them. We just don't want those values to be built in our children. And if I didn't teach this as a father, if I didn't teach this as a mother, God is going to ask me and say, you had the opportunity. Why didn't you stand up for the truth? Why didn't you say what was right? A lot of families, now that we have electronics at our fingertips, a lot of families have left their children with this as the babysitter. YouTube and, and watch. I want to watch my show. And now because we have the ability, those of you who like to watch the Arabic channels and Musalsalat and, uh, and all of these different things that we have now on, on uh, all the Arabic channels, we give anything to our children in order that we can enjoy the, what about your child? What are you teaching them by doing that? And if you're giving them that, do you know what they're watching? Not too long ago, but not too long ago, um, a family, this is a true story, a family found out that the, they had uh, uh, an iPad for their child. And as the, as, the, as the boy was playing the game, an inappropriate ad, if you download these free games, they have all these advertisements that come in the middle. So this, this un inappropriate ad came up. And the, the child was innocent enough. He took the iPad and he said, Dad, something inappropriate came up and I don't want to see it again. So the father was shocked. It's a, it's a children's game. It's a children's electronic. Why would something like that come up? So the, the father started to play the game and tried to see if the ad would come up again and couldn't get it to do it. He gave it back to the child. He said maybe it was a fluke, something happened. He gave it back to the child. A little while later, the child is playing. The ad comes up again. So the dad got very suspicious. 
This time what he did was he said to the son, I want you to play in front of me. And he put the camera, Taban, these things have cameras. He put the camera on the face of the child. While they were playing and the camera was facing the child, the inappropriate ad came up. When he turned, then he continued to play the game uh, himself. The ad did not come up. Do you know that when your kids are playing these games on these electronics and they have cameras, that the camera has access to your room, the camera has access to the person who's watching and playing and interacting with this game. Do you know those? Do you know what your kids are watching? Or are we just giving them this phone and we're giving them this iPad and get off our back? One person once said, I love my computer because my friends live in it. Do you know your kids' friends? Do you know who they befriend online? Do you know who they're talking to and they're chatting with? Nowadays, we didn't have these earphones and the Bluetooth and the wireless headsets. And so your kids are now playing games and they're... And they're, and they're have these remotes in their hands and these earpieces on their heads. Who are they talking to? Who are they connecting with? Research shows that three to five minutes extra that you spend with your children at the dinner table decreases their chance of becoming obese. That's just one statistic. Three to five minutes extra, you let them sit at dinner, you engage with them in conversation, that decreases their chances of becoming obese. Some children could make decisions that affect their life forever before they even reach the age of 12, before they reach puberty. A couple of months ago, I saw this video about a man, a father, who I think he's in the West Coast, uh, maybe somewhere towards California, and his daughter decided that she didn't want to be a girl anymore before the age of 14 or 15. She didn't want to be a girl anymore and she wanted to have it, an operation to be a boy. Without his knowledge, without his consent, without his approval, without the mother's knowledge, without the mother's consent and without the mother's approval. He said, when I found out, I tried to do everything I can possibly do in order to change her mind. He even wrote petitions. He even started to, to do interviews in order to change her mind. He said, even if it embarrasses her, even if I become the laughing stock of the world, I'm going to do it. Even if people mock me and make fun of me, I'm going to do it. So that when she grows up and now she knows that this operation is not reversible, she cannot go back to being what she was and how God created her. She's not going to blame me and say, Dad, you didn't try. He said, I'm going to try till the day I die. How are you leading your family? What values are you building? What morals are you instilling in your children? A father that is absent from the home is felt very deeply by the children. If the dad is not there, if the dad is not there for any reason, whether the person is working all the time, whether the person has left the home because of difficulty in the home, or, God forbid, the person has left because God has called them and it's their time. But a Christian family needs to do everything that it can in order to keep the family together. Marriages are more brittle today than they have ever been, and our children are more brittle today than they have ever been. 
All of the broken homes, all of the broken marriages leave behind children that are traumatized for life. I have children who come, I'm sure Abuna here has, all the Abunas here have these similar situations where the child will come to me and say, Abuna, you know my circumstance at home. If I get to know someone, how will I explain this to them? Will my marriage work in the future? Should I think about getting married or should I not? How do we answer questions like this? We struggle, I struggle in answering that question for the child. I don't want to get married. I don't want to end up like my parents. Why? Why are you giving them those kinds of examples? Why are you setting them up for failure? Why are we putting ourselves in circumstances where it's always I want, I want, I want, and I can't, and I can't, and I can't? If you want to lead your family like Christ, you need to be a person who has faith. A person who leads like Christ is a person who has faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Strengthen your faith. And if you don't have faith, ask the Lord and say, Lord, please increase my faith. I'm weak. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Strengthen me so that I can follow in your way and so that I can lead my family the way that you lead the church. I have... Out of all the people that come to confess, one person has ever asked me and said, Abuna, teach me how to lead my family like Christ, and he's not even Egyptian. He's a convert. He says, Abuna, I want you to teach me how to lead my family like Christ. ولقى إن المسيح هو الأول والآخر لقى إن الحياة الأبدية هي دي الهدف لقى إن الإيترنتي الأبدية دي This is our goal and this is our mission You want to lead your family like Christ to be a person who has respect Teach them how to respect each other How to respect others in society And how to respect their elders, their teachers, the church, the environment If they don't learn respect at an early age it's going to be very difficult to teach them as they get older. There's a story, a true story that happened once. Kanfiwalad, a young boy who was dressed to invest as a deacon, and there was a bishop there visiting the church. It wasn't here. It was a visitor, a visitor, a bishop visiting the church, and this deacon kept jumping around and jumping around and jumping around. So Sayyidna took this boy and said to him, Habibi, please sit down nicely, behave. You're in the church and you're vested as a deacon. You should be like an angel. The boy left and kept jumping around and come jumping. Again, the, the bishop called him over and said, Please, Habibi, so that you can participate in the liturgy, please behave. The boy just continued, Allah, listen, if you continue to this, I'm not going to let you take communion. I'm not going to let you take communion. And all of a sudden, we become serious. The kid didn't care. He continued to jump. And then Sayyidina said, Okay, خلاص. You're not taking communion today. So the priest felt guilty. He took the boy on the side and he said, Habibi, let's, let's behave. Let's sit nicely. Let's go to Sayyidina and apologize and say, Sayyidina, I'm sorry, I'm going to behave. He said, I'm not apologizing. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Where did this child learn this from? Where do you think he learned not to apologize from? If you want to lead your family like Christ, you need to be a person who prays. Establish 
a time where you can pray and read the Bible with your family. Make it a habit. But in everything by prayer and supplication. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. These should be the foundation in your home. Just like you see the big church here, we have prayer, we have Bible, we have fasting, we have matanyas, we have the scripture, we have an open Bible that is open, al Katamaros is always open on the Mangalaya. Your home needs to have the same thing. You need to have those same foundations in your home. Teach your children how to respond in difficult times. When there is trouble, how do you respond? Your children are going to respond the exact same way. Teach them always to have hope. Sometimes we are so negative that our children don't know what it means to be positive. They don't know what the word hope means. If you want to lead your family like Christ, be a person of the truth. Be honest and be faithful. I was at work years and years ago and one of my co-workers asked me a question. He said, you're a Christian. He was a Jewish man, very nice man. He said, you're a Christian. I want to ask you a question. My daughter took a test at school and she just barely passed. When she was looking over her, her exam, one of the questions that the professor marked correct is actually wrong. And if she goes back and tells the professor, he may fail her and she may get a failing grade. How do you teach a child in that moment? What do you tell them? He said, should I just let her go? She's asking me, Dad, what do I do? He said, I don't know, really, I, I can't answer her. I said, what do you think you would teach her if you said, لا, لا, خلاص, but then you passed. Thank God that he missed it. What lesson would you have taught her? What would you have taught your child at that point? What do you know if, if, the, if you told her to go back and show it to the professor? Maybe the professor would say, because of your honesty, I'm not changing, I appreciate that you told me, but because of your honesty and your faithfulness, I'm not changing your grade. You got the grade and I'm not going to change it. But if you told her to do otherwise, what would you teach her? As the sand goes through the hourglass, and there was an opening in this gentleman's department at work, and I wanted to apply for the position. And I thank God for the answer that he had given me, because if I had told him, let tell her that she should get by as best as she can, he would have already understood something about my way of thinking. He would have already understood something about my honesty and my faithfulness. You don't know when that test or that moment will come where what you teach your child will be brought to the front and the forefront of everything in their life. And their future may depend on it. You don't know when that moment is going to happen. But you need to prepare them for when that moment happens. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6 Tell them the truth about God. Tell them the truth about what God wants from them and expects from them. And tell them the truth about what God has promised for those who walk in His way.
I was asking someone once why they didn't come to church. They said, Abuna, we're going to come in two weeks. We've scheduled to come in two weeks. And I'd hicked. I said, what do you mean you've scheduled to come? He said, we'll be there in two weeks. They live close to the church, but they have to schedule coming to church. Like we have to put it in the schedule. Yani, I've never, I'm, I don't know what that means. It didn't make sense to me. He said, well, we, we really can't come every week. Why not? Why can't you come every week? We come the second and fourth Sunday of the month of Una. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. Well, then what are you going to teach your child? I had a family once who the father said to me, I never push my kids. I never tell them to go to church. They do whatever they want. I want them to be independent. When their kids don't come to church, they call and say, Abuna al-Hatni. The kids don't want to come. Where were you? What did you tell them was important? Did you encourage them? Did you tell them that God is going to re request this of you? Did you tell them that God is going to say, I gave you an opportunity and you didn't take it? The teaching must start at home. Lead your family like Christ. Be about your father's business. The church sees the children for just a few hours, whether it be on Friday night, on Saturday night, or on Sunday, or any meetings during the week. You have them all the time, especially when they're young. Especially when they're young. And maybe when they're young, you're wasting your time watching in Musalsalat, watching the TV, looking at the Facebook, and giving them the iPad to watch, when you should be teaching them the Alhan of the church, when you should be teaching them the Synexarium and the stories of the saints and the lives of the saints. Where are you when they're young? If you want to lead your family like Christ, be a person who's humble and serves. The Lord took a towel, he girded himself, and he said, whoever wants to be the greatest should do what I do. Don't make your children feel like you are above them. Serve your children and serve your family. Show them that to lead, there needs to be humbleness. There needs to be cooperation between the husband and the wife and the father and the mother. To lead your family like Christ, you need to be a person who loves. And the children get to see, if my earthly father loves me, my heavenly father will love me. That's the gauge, that's the measure that our children use. If I can see this love and this affection that I can get from my earthly parent, then my heavenly father would be just the same. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to be perfect. Let's face it, our children are not going to be perfect. We're not perfect. Love them anyway. Love them unconditionally. Love them without reason. And that needs to be evident in your way of dealing with them. Reassure them that they're loved. We have found that this simple yet powerful say, act of saying, I love you. How many of us tell our children, I love you? Maybe it's so important to tell our children how much we love them, to hug them, to kiss them, especially in the stages where they'll accept the hug, they'll accept the kiss. A stage where they say, Dad, don't embarrass me, don't make me feel... Uh... How you treat your spouse in front of your child. If you have a daughter and you yell at your wife in front of your daughter, 
ايفن ورس طبعا في حاجات بقى ضرب واهانه وحاجات زي كده هو بتحصل وفي في اباء بيتعهدوا ان يعملوا كده قدام العيال عشان الراجل يثبت نفسه يثبت ان هو راجل Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that just as Christ loved the church and sacrificed for her so ought the husband do for his wife You find that the picture is not just about the guy who we see on TV who pounds his chest and says, me man, you woman, I say and you do. That's what we hear all the time. Do you show her love? How you compassionate? Are you com- are you tender with her? Are you gentle with her? What's the problem? If he's leading your family like Christ, you must be obedient because God is going to ask you for that. I heard a story about a family sitting at a restaurant the father, the mother, and two children. The father was leaning over to get the salt shaker. And as soon as the young child saw the hand coming across the room or across the table, the, the, the child flinched back. Why do you think that is? Any extension of the father's arm meant he's going to get a smack. When your kids see you, I remember when I was young and I did something wrong, I would just have to hear the voice of this or the sound of my dad's steps, his, his shoes just coming up on the, on the stairs and I would run and hide underneath the bed. But my dad wasn't, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't beat us, but uh, there's a difference between discipline and abuse. There's a difference between discipline and abuse. The Bible says, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Proverbs 13. Careful to discipline him. And don't discipline when you're angry. Don't discipline when you're mad. Don't discipline when you're upset because the response is not going to be appropriate and the learning is not going to be there. Lead your family like Christ. Be consistent and hold them accountable. Children want boundaries. They want to know. They'll test the boundaries sometimes, but give them boundaries. Let them know that what's, what's acceptable and what's not. They need consistency. They have to have consistency. Lead your family like Christ. Be goal-oriented and determined. Have an eternal perspective. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Am I focused and am I determined to achieve it? There's a little clip that I found that talked about the difference between temporary stuff and things that are important forever. It says the voice message came when Margie and I flew from Florida on October. We, and I were in Florida in October in 2007. She was at a conference in Orlando and I was in Naples playing golf with a bunch of old buddies. I got up a bit before 7 and checked my cell phone for messages. There was only one. It was from our son, Scott. Mom, Dad, 
I don't know where you are, but Maddie and I had to evacuate our house. When we got down the road, we looked up and there were flames coming out of our place, and I think yours is gone. It's just awful. That was my greeting for the day. The San Diego fires, which we'd last heard from 35 miles from our home, had reached our doorstep. It looked as if they consumed it. Frankly, Margie and I were sadder for our son than we were for ourselves. Scott and his wife, Maddie, had just finished a 10-month remodel of their house. They'd done it with such love and care and had just moved in. They created a happy home for the family. Margie and I prayed. We asked God that if one house could be spared, it would be theirs, their children's. Next day, I was driving with my friend and co-author Phil Hodges, and when I, caught, when I got the call from Scott, Dad, you won't believe it, he shouted. I'm standing in our living room, and our house was saved. Our prayer had been answered. The front doormat and some towels on the back deck had charred, and those houses on both sides had burned to the ground, but Scott and Maddie's house had been spared. Scott's tone turned serious. I'm afraid your house is gone, Dad. Scott, that's exactly what Mom and I prayed for would happen. I shouted, laughing and crying with happiness. It mattered less that our house was gone. I was so overjoyed by Scott's news that we pulled the car over by the beach. Phil and I got out of the, ran along the shore shouting, Lord, you are unbelievable. Lord, you are unbelievable. Phil got a picture of me with my hands in the air and a grin on my face. Maybe the reaction was influenced by some reading I had been doing in the scripture. I'd just finished a book that he was reading that was called When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. John has a marvelous exercise book that goes like this. It has, it's four in the afternoon and you're getting ready to go home. There are two piles of post-it notes on your desk. One says important forever and the other says temporary stuff. Put a post-it from one of these two piles on everything you notice as you leave the computer, your desk, the Coke machine, your car, your belongings. Then do the same thing when you get home on your bike, your golf clubs, your people around you and the things in your house. After the fire, it was clear to Margie and me where those sticky notes should go. What's really important forever is who you love and who loves you. We knew God was with us and what really was important in our life. Even as we walked through the ashes, our family was safe. Our dog was safe, being cared for. We'd lost the temporary stuff, including many precious mementos, but we had each other. We, are still, we still had our children, our grandchildren, our friends, and our coworkers. What is this temporary stuff, and what is the important stuff that's in your life that's going to remain forever? He said, the gold helps me to understand what is important. Psalm 27 says, One thing I have desired that only will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold his beauty and to inquire in his temple. You want to lead your family like Christ, be a person who leads by example. You can't expect your children to read the Bible if you don't read the Bible. I remember years ago, I would stand in my room and I would pray and I would do my matanyas and my daughter was very young. And when she saw me, she came and stood next to me and her and I were doing matanyas together and it was the joy, you can't imagine the joy I had in my heart. And then I looked at her and when I looked at her, she got a bit embarrassed. So the next time, the next day when I was doing my prayer and my matanyas, I had my door open. So she stood outside the door and she kind of just peeked in. And whenever I would go down, she would go down and she would come back up. Lead by example. 
some families when I talk to them about matani, they say, I'm going How else are you, is your family going to learn how to do a matanya? How else is your family going to learn why you do a matanya? Be an example. If you don't forgive, your children won't know how to forgive. If you stay distant from your family when your children grow up, what are they going to do when they have trouble with their family members? Unspoken teachings. No parent wishes for their children to be like them, but rather better. We want our children to be better. Now look at the family that has been divorced. Of course, they want their children to have a, a better outcome than they. Deuteronomy chapter 11 says, Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them. Your, to your children, speaking to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. What are you teaching your children? What are you teaching your children? What are the words they're learning from me? When you take out your phone, when you take out your iPad, what's the background picture? When your phone rings, what's the, 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 the sound that rings when your phone rings? في واحد حاطت be a good listener to your children. Be about your father's business first. Be about your father's business. The Lord, when he was about 12 years old and he was lost, he said to St. Mary, why did you worry? Why were you anxious? Don't you know I must be about my father's business? Your children right now are your father's business. That's what you need to focus on. Raise your children being about your father's business. A person who leads like Christ is a good listener. Lead by example. Listen to them so that they would listen to you. Listen to their problems. Don't criticize their problems. Don't belittle their problems. To lead your family like Christ, you need to sacrifice. Of course, like I said earlier, some families have parents who work one job, two jobs, three jobs. But God demonstrated His own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He suffered for us. He died for us. He didn't wait until we were perfect. Sacrifice for your children. But sacrifice in the right way. Sacrifice in a way that's important and that's meaningful and it sends the right message. A person who knows how to deal with giving things up knows how to teach their children the value of things around them. The value of the things that we purchase the, the value of the things that we own and the value of the people that we know. There's a really nice expression or saying that says things were made to be used and people were, were made to be loved. The reason the world is in chaos today is because it's flipped. Things are loved and people are being used. Teach your children how to love people and to use the things in the proper way. Let Christ change your life and your family in order that you may glorify His name that your children may glorify his name so that you have trust that the next church that you are leaving behind, the next church that you're leaving behind is a church that's founded on the rock, a church that's founded on the right faith. I'm going to just give a two-minute quick summary, uh, just in Arabic. I'm going to ask me to give a quick word in Arabic. عايزين يكون قدامنا هدف وهدفنا لازم يكون الأبدية هدفنا لازم يكون الحياة الأبدية مع المسيح 
ربنا هيطلب مننا من كل واحد منا ربنا هيطلب مننا عملتوا ايه مع اولادكم ربيتوهم ازاي وعلمتوهم ايه انا قلت له لا مش مساله انا قلت له وانا قلت لها انت عملت ايه ممكن تكون بتقول حاجه لسه سامعين في الانجيل بيقول لهم ايه ويل لكم ايها الكتب والفريسيون ايه المراؤون مراؤون معناها ايه ان انت بتقول حاجه وبتعمل حاجه تاني سيد المسيح في متى 23 قال لهم ايه قال لهم اسمعوا اللي هم بيقولوه لكم لكن ما تعملوش زيهم listen to what they tell you but don't do what they do ربوا اولادكم ان هم يحبوا واولا ان هم يحبوا ربنا ويحبوا الناس اللي حواليهم لو ما عرفوش يحبوا ربنا والناس اللي حواليهم لما يكبروا شويه هنقول لهم يحبوا اعدائهم ازاي لو انت متخانق مع خالك لو انت متخانق مع عمك لو انت متخانق مع اخوك لو انت مش بتكلمي امك لو انت مش هيتعلموا ب... الولاد ازاي هيعرفوا ازاي احنا لازم نكون المثل الاعلى ليهم في مراحل الولاد بيمروا بيها في الـ في الـ في الـ في اندر جروث يعني في اوقات او في سن معين كده بيتوين ميبي 7 اند 10 يعني بين لما مثلا يكونوا سبع سنين او 10 سنين الكنيسه بتعلم تقول ايه المفروض الحاجه الصح نعمل كذا وكذا وكذا اما حد يعمل لك حاجه تقول له ايه ربنا يسامحك يروحوا البيت ابوه يقول له ايه يقول له لا لو حد عمل لك حاجه حد ضربك ما تسكتش يبقى انت هيتريقوا عليك وهيضربوك بعد كده وهيستهزئوا بيك و و و طب اذا الكنيسه بتعلم حاجه والبيت بيعلم حاجه مختلفه اسمع الكنيسه بتعلم ازاي وشوف ان اساس الكنيسه لما اتبنت من ساعه ما اتبنت لحد دلوقتي ماشيه بنفس المبدا نفس المبدا ما اتغيرش فيش حد ما فيش حد ابواب الجحيم ايه لن تقوى عليا فانت خايف على ابنك او انت خايف على بنتك اكتر من المسيح ما هو خايف على الكنيسه اكتر من المسيح ان هو خايف على اولاده في الكنيسه لا ميك شور اكدوا اكدوا ان انتوا تكونوا مثل للولاد في المحبه في الاحترام في الطاعه التقدير علم ابنك يقول ثانك يو علمي بنتك يقول سم بيسك ثينجز بس احنا بننسى الحاجات دي بنفتكر ان هيتعلموها ايفينشولي لا مش هيتعلموها ايفينشولي لازم انت تعلمهم لازم انت تعلميهم لازم تقفوا تصلوا معاهم لازم وخصوصا هم صغيرين يمكن هم لما بيكبروا مش هيقبلوا مننا يمكن لما يكبروا مش هيسمعوا لنا عشان كده الاساس بتاعهم هم صغيرين ما تديش لابنك وبنتك الايباد وتسكت وتقول خلاص هم ملهيين وبعيد عني وانا اريح لسه راجع من الشغل وتعبان لا قضي وقت مع ابنك قضي وقت مع بنتك خصوصا الاب مع بنته والام مع ابنها دي حاجات مهمه جدا ربنا هيطالبها مننا لما بعد عمرا طويل لما نقف قدام ربنا ربنا مش هيقول لك البيت بتاعك كان شكله ايه فلوسك في البنك كنت دفعت المورجج بتاعك ولا ما دفعتش سبت ديون وراك ولا ما سبتش ربنا مش هيهمه الحاجات دي كلها اللي هيهمه ايه هيقول ان انا اديتك وزنه عملت ايه بالوزنه ديت اديتك وزنه عرفت تربح بيها ولا لا ده حتى اللي خد وزنه واحده كان المفروض ربنا قال له ايه قال له على الاقل كنت خدتها وحطيتها في البنك اعمل ابسط حاجه اعمل ابسط حاجه وهتلاقي ان المسيح بيكمل اعمل ابسط حاجه واعملي ابسط حاجه قدمي محبه قدم محبه قدم غفران ما تبقاش ماشي مكشر في البيت ما تبقاش ماشي عماله تهبد في الحلل وتخبط في الميه والاطباق وخد و... 
العيال هيتعلموا ايه وبعدين غير كده كمان هيعملوا ايه لما هم يمروا بالضيق ده بعد كده ربنا يجعل بيوتنا بيوت صلاه بيوت طهاره بيوت بركه خلي ابونا يجي يصلي عندكم ويقول الكلمات ديت اجعلها يا رب تكون ايه بيوت صلاه بيوت طهاره بيوت بركه لالهنا كل المجد الدائم الى الابد امين